Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I want to start where I start every week with our brief compliance disclosure to remind you that what you're about to hear today should not be considered individual investment advice, but instead just our thoughts and our firm's thought on the market and the economy. We hope it's helpful, but if you'd like to discuss your personal portfolio, we'd encourage you to give us a call here at the office. With that, let's go ahead and dive in. It is college football season. It's in full swing right now across the country. We're getting into championship season, if you will. There's enough drama and great football going on for even the faintest of fans to be engaged. But one of the best, or the worst, depending on who's listening today, stories in college football is happening right here in the great state of Iowa at my alma mater, the University of Iowa. And on Saturday, the UI football team clinched its share of the Big Ten West title, and they'll win it outright if they win one of their next two games. Now, they've been able to do that despite the fact that they have the worst offense in all of Division I college football, 243 yards a game. That's worse than last year when they were the number two worst offense in Division I college football, like 258 yards a game. They lost their starting quarterback. They lost their top wide receiver. They lost their top tight end. And if you watch Hawkeye football, you know the tight end really matters. Their offensive coordinator, who happens to be the son of our head coach, was unceremoniously fired during the bye week, mid-season, by school administrators, despite the fact that the head coach didn't want him fired. Oh, but, you know, just to make things even messier, they're going to let him coach out the rest of the season. And they have repeatedly set the record this year for the lowest predicted total points in a college football game by Vegas. Last week, Vegas set the new over-under line at 28 against Rutgers, and the Iowa team beat it by six. Despite all of that fumbling and bumbling, they are 8-2 and two on the season. And I would argue they should be 9-1. and one. It was not a fair catch against Minnesota, but that's a whole other thing. And they are likely to get a chance, as I said, if they win one of their next two games, to compete for the Big Ten title in Indianapolis next month. And in the end, isn't that all that really matters? But why? How could a team so ridiculed and so mocked for their inability to put points on the board still be sticking around and causing everyone such headaches? Simply put, they and their head coach, Kirk Ferentz, know exactly who they are. It isn't pretty, but they know they have the nation's best defense and one of, if not the best special teams. And so they're playing the hand they're dealt. They're okay with being different. They're okay with being mocked on ESPN because they're confident enough in themselves to charge forward. There is a really important lesson for investors in that mindset. It reminds me of the opening lines of the very famous poem, If, by Rudyard Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. This is the hardest part of being an investor. We are often overwhelmed by information that is either too optimistic or too pessimistic than reality. As we noted last week, it seems like the only two options in the world these days are things are going to the moon or we're all gonna die. Part of it's psychological, but part of it is learned memory too. Most of the people listening to this had risk assets deployed during the beginning of the 21st century. And there is some scar tissue embedded from that. If you invested a dollar in the S&P 500 at the beginning of 1999, 
It was worth just a dollar and two cents 12 years later on December 31st, 2012. Despite all the ups and downs of the market, the market was only up 2.31% over 12 years. But let's imagine for a second that you didn't freak out during that decade. You stuck with it. You trusted your defense and your special teams, and you still have that dollar invested today. Now, almost 25 years later, you are up 259%, over 10% a year. It took time, it was a grind, but it worked. Now, admittedly, the last three years of that 25 years has been a heck of a roller coaster. We've been through some real turmoil, highlighted by the worst pandemic the world has seen in over 100 years. And the media is in overdrive right now, highlighting all the horrible things that could happen next. But is the world really that bad right now, at least economically? We don't think so. I don't think so. And that's highlighted by the state of the U.S. consumer. The U.S. consumer is the most powerful force in the history of the world's economy. So let's take a look at a few examples of what the world's saying and what the data is actually showing. So what's the world saying? Well, the world's saying all that COVID money is going away and the consumer is running out of cash. Well, I'll give them that. The consumer has less cash today than they did in early 2021. That was the peak. That's absolutely true. But it is still way more cash than they had pre-COVID. In fact, consumers with the lowest income levels, less than 50,000, 50 to 100, 100 to 150, those are the three groups of consumers that still have 50% more cash than they had pre-pandemic. That ain't bad. But what else? What else is the world saying? They say, well, you know, that might be true, Andrew, but debt is getting out of control again. Nope, not yet at least. We have understandably seen a bounce off the bottom as it relates to the percent of income being used for debt service payments by households. It helps when you didn't have to make debt service payments there for a little while on mortgages and student loans, but we are still below the pre-pandemic numbers for the amount of capital people have to spend each month on debt service. As a matter of fact, Earlier this last quarter, that number ticked down again. It had been ticking back up towards the more normalized number, and it actually ticked down. Okay, so there's less debt service on average, but bankruptcies and foreclosures are rising, right? Yeah, they are. They are. But they're rising off of pre-pandemic lows. If you want to get a sense of just how bad the world was in 2008 versus what it is today, there's a great chart in our memo from the New York Fed about what's happening with bankruptcies and foreclosures. What we are experiencing right now is nothing compared to that rodeo that we experienced back then. Yes, bankruptcies are ticking up. Yes, they are back to basically right where we were pre-pandemic. But my Lord, we have a long way to go before they're even like they were back in 2014. You know, that, that peak to trough of bankruptcies from 2005, it lasted all the way to 2014. It took a long time to get through that process, and we are a long way away from where we were then. Now, there are still a lot of things that could go wrong in this world. The conflict in the Middle East could blow up. The conflict in Ukraine could blow up. China could invade Taiwan. The Fed could screw up the inflation battle. Heck, we could have another pandemic. But here's the thing. We have always had black swans. If you go back to the data that I was showing you before about a dollar invested in 1999, well, we had the black swan of the tech bubble bursting. We had the black swan of 9-11 happening. We had the black swan of the great fiscal crisis of 2008-2009. And we had the black swan of the worst pandemic in 100 years. And you're still up 10% a year over 25 years. Black swans happen and we get through them. 
We can't ever predict them, but we can train ourselves to block out the noise and commit to a path of long-term investing. The overwhelming data tells us that those who stuck with it through those tough times have inevitably come out ahead of those who panicked. And these don't even qualify as tough times right now. The market's offense isn't working so great this year. In fact, it didn't work that great in 2022 either. But we still have our defense, we still have our special teams, and we should be able to ride that out to a few wins. Just don't do what Kipling recommends later in his poem, If, when he says, if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it all on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. Let's hope that Kipling stuck to poetry and never worked in finance. But let's have some patience for this economy right now because things aren't nearly as bad as the world would like to make them out to be. We'll leave it there this week. As always, if you have any questions or would like to discuss this, discuss your personal portfolio, give us a call. You can reach us here at the office at 515-273-1333, or you can always visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I look forward to touching base with you again soon. Take care. Securities offered through RTA Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through RTA Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm. 